Hello and welcome to the AMCP podcast series, Listen Up, as we take a deep dive into the challenges, trends, and opportunities in managed care pharmacy. Follow the show's social hashtag at AMCP Listen Up, and to learn more about AMCP, visit amcp.org. I'm your host, Fred Goldstein. Today, our guest is Stan Mayer, Director of Content at Biosimilars Review and Report. Welcome, Stan. Thank you, Fred. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. Why don't we start with just a very quick description for maybe some of our audience. What is a biosimilar? Well, very briefly, a biosimilar is a close but inexact copy of a biologic or reference product that is expected to produce efficacy and safety outcomes that are equivalent to that biologic. Think of it as a parallel pathway to the generic drug program for small molecule drugs. In the FDA's biosimilar evaluation process, Candidates are evaluated in multiple ways against the biologic reference before approval. The specific reason that biosimilars were introduced were solely to increase competition and to lower costs, just like generics. Fascinating. And obviously, biosimilars have been a hot topic for the last five years. Why are things culminating now in 2023? Well, that's a great question. And uh, I think a lot of it is, is due to anticipation. We have over... I think 40 approved biosimilars right now in the U.S., but not all of them are marketed. And one of the most highly anticipated products that are going to reach the market this year is adalimumab. The reference product is Umira. Now, that product's racked up more than $20 billion in sales in the U.S. in 2022 alone. And this anti-TNF inhibitors is used to treat several common autoimmune conditions, including rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, IBD, among others. One biosimilar adalimumab has already been launched in January, and perhaps eight others will enter the market by the end of July. Payers are hoping that net prices will drop quickly, yielding multi-million dollar savings for many plans and insurers. There's always also another possibility for an initial launch later in this year for a biosimilar ustekinumab, which is a reference product called Stellara. Now, that's the first interleukin product to face biosimilar competition. That product also has over $6 billion in U.S. sales. And the interesting thing is both of these products, uh, the Umira biosimilar and the Stellara biosimilars, are all primarily covered under the pharmacy benefit. So although biosimilar insulins have been launched previously, this marks the first time PBMs or pharmacy benefit managers will be making coverage decisions for these high-cost biosimilar monoclonal antibodies. What is AMCP doing in the biosimilars area, and how is the organization preparing its members for these new biosimilars this year and beyond? Well, AMCP has been tracking biosimilars since the first biosimilar phlogastrum approval back in 2015, and the Academy has been working on a number of initiatives. Realizing the importance of generating real-world evidence and monitoring for potential effectiveness on, on, or safety issues, AMCP created the BBCIC, or the Biologic and Biosimilar Collective Intelligence Consortium, and that's headed by Dr. Kate Lockhart. BBCIC leverages the medical and pharmacy databases of its participating members to generate and analyze scientific evidence on both biologics and biosimilars and emphasizes publishing the results in peer-reviewed journals. Dr. Lockhart's the principal investigator of a recently awarded FDA grant, which examines the use of real-world data to improve the efficiency of regulatory decision-making regarding biosimilars and interchangeable biologics. 
CVS Health Clinical Trial Services, which is part of Aetna, and Health Partners Institute are collaborators on the grant. AMCPs also worked with PBMs, payers, and the pharmaceutical industry through a 2020 partnership forum to better understand the challenges and gaps associated with biosimilar adoption and successful implementation of coverage. In 2022, more recently, AMCP began an initiative that focused on operational readiness to cover biosimilars under the pharmacy benefit. Now, of course, that relates directly to the Admira biosimilar launches. It began with a set of market research interviews with key stakeholders and the presentation of those results at an initial workshop attended by PBM payer and employer representatives. The overall goal of this project is to develop and disseminate tools and resources that payers and others can use to overcome the practical challenges to implementing pharmacy coverage once the PNT committee decides to add biosimilars to its formulary. Some of the opportunities that have been identified are with stakeholder education, creation of a biosimilar tracking, tracking device, and through the sharing of best practices that includes collaboration among stakeholders. Another workshop will be scheduled in the springtime to pressure test some of these new tools and resources on development. Although AMCP has included biosimilar content in its national educational meetings for the 2023 meeting in March, AMCP made biosimilars a separate track to address some of the issues that are critical at this time for its members. This includes interchangeability laws and regulations, a payer and PBM panel on biosimilar success stories, expectations for 2023, and sponsored content on specific conditions, for instance, autoimmune diseases, eye disorders, and how biosimilars will play a growing growing role in these specific conditions. So Stan, what are some of the issues to consider? Why is it so important when we look at these products to see whether they're under the medical or the pharmacy benefit? That's a great question, too. You know, up to this point in time, the vast use of biosimilars has been under the medical benefit, specifically for oncology-directed products or support products, and they're typically buy-and-bill type products. Under the pharmacy benefit, the plans and the PBMs have the ability to make more direct formulary decisions that are going to affect people directly and affect the utilization and the uptake of the biosimilars. And there's a greater opportunity to bring to the fore more of the classic pharmacy benefit tools that have been used in the past with other molecules to try to manage the use of these products and hopefully encourage their use over time. So for instance, you might be a case where you can take advantage of interchangeability. Where in the medical benefit, interchangeability has no practical application. Under the pharmacy benefit, interchangeability basically means there's the opportunity for automatic substitution which means automatically substituting for the reference product, that is. So we can't automatically substitute for another biosimilar, but if we want to switch market share quickly, auto substitution will allow folks to do just that. Stan, obviously affordability or cost is a critical issue today. What's at stake for the affordability of pharmaceutical innovation? Everything. I can't emphasize this enough. When generics first came onto the marketplace, the savings obtained from the generics help to fund or finance our use and continuing innovation for the first generation of biologics. So if we didn't have the generic drugs come in and gain uptake, we probably wouldn't be able to afford the Yomira products 
the etanercept products, all the anti-TNF inhibitors that are so prevalent today in the treatment of many of these diseases. So creating this competitive pathway for the biologics is critical for supporting the uh, financing of the specialty pharmaceuticals, which now account for more than 50% of the total drug spend. And as we've heard repeatedly and from multiple resources, the cost for individual drug treatments are soaring. Several cost over $1 million per year or per treatment cost. So we really do need the infusion of new biosimilars to lower the cost of existing biologics that are off patent in order for us to continue to innovate for these new gene-based therapies for life-threatening and debilitating conditions. And they're the most obvious example. With price tags for each drug in the millions, how can the U.S. health system afford to keep paying for this level of innovation? We must introduce competition to biologic therapies whose market exclusivity has expired and some have long expired. The savings being forecast for appropriate biosimilar coverage and utilization over the next few years alone may exceed $100 billion. Is this also an area where perhaps due to these high prices, we're going to begin to see some alternative payment models introduced? I wouldn't doubt it. Quite frankly, if you're looking at these drugs that are with these very high price tags, and particularly for drugs that are for very rare diseases, there has to be a way to finance the payment for these drugs. Now, that simply might be through value-based contracting, more uh, adaptive use of such contracting models, higher rebates. But there has to be a sustainable way to produce these these medications and continue to innovate these life-saving therapies, while at the same point, not breaking the bank. Well, thanks so much, Stan, for joining us. My pleasure, Fred. Glad to do it. And uh, we're going to be very excited to keep watching what happens in 2023 with the uh, emergence of these new biosimilar products. And thank you for joining us today. If you like this show, you can find all our episodes at amcp.org slash podcast on our show page at healthcarenowradio.com or on your favorite listening platform by searching Healthcare Now Radio. You can follow our show's social hashtag at amcplistenup and don't forget to share, like, and follow AMCP.org on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm Fred Goldstein for AMCP. Until next time.